Hello, dear listener. My name is Ros Connors, and this is a very different Fanderson podcast this time. Different because we're talking about business and chatting to a couple of the people who actually run the club. Welcome along to this very special Fanderson podcast. The reason it's special is because this is the 2021 annual general meeting. Now, this is something very new for Fanderson, holding it online, obviously, because of the coronavirus pandemic and lockdown situations. But we wanted to bring you all the latest news from Fanderson and from the committee. And I'm joined now by Fanderson chairman, Nick Williams, who's going to answer some of the questions today that we've got from Fanderson members. So the first thing then, uh, Nick, uh, tell our members how we're doing with memberships and renewals this year. Hello, Ros. Lovely to be back. Um, we've had an increase in members and, and renewals are also very healthy. I think a lot of that has been down to two big bits of merchandise over the last year. Um, the UFO soundtrack box set, and then the UFO annual that we released later on in 2020. So they've both helped our numbers swell a bit. So at the end of 2019, we had 1,066 members, and at the end of last year, 1,158. Um, I'm not quick enough to do the sums on that, but I know that's gone up, so that's, that's good. Um, for me, the important thing has always been how many members renew their membership because it's very easy to join the club and then think, I don't like that or it's not what I thought, so you, you never come back. But the renewal figure is how happy members are with what we do. And again, if I look at the end of 2019, our renewal rate was 68% and the end of 2020, 76%. So that's a good a good renewal figure, I think. And it's consistently higher than it was even a decade ago when, when you know, we were kind of getting 50s, 60%. So to be getting in the mid 70s, I think is really good. Not quite as high as our best ever renewal. That was many, many years ago when we had 90% back, but it's a good figure. Do you think that that, is, that figure is something affected by the fact that they're not showing these programmes on the television anymore? Do you think that that kind of helped with uh, club membership? It definitely helps. And we know when, when in the past when programmes have been broadcast, particularly when the BBC broadcast the likes of Thunderbirds, we saw quite a, an increase in members at the time. Um, but as I say, for me, for me, it's never been about the number of members we've got. As long as we've got enough to keep going financially, that that's the important thing. But for me, the, the renewal figure is always the importance of you know how happy are the members that we've already got. And with regular members, that's one thing. But what about uh, new younger members? Are we seeing a, um, a renaissance here or newer members coming in who perhaps haven't discovered the club yet? 
There's always an element of that, and I think now that, that, that a lot of the shows are on BritBox for people to see in the UK, we are now starting to see younger people coming in again who maybe have never been exposed to Jerry and Sylvia's shows before. Um, and the, the other thing is, I know a lot of people didn't like Thunderbirds Argo, but it has been a, an introduction to the series that younger people have seen and then parents have said oh that's a new version of something I watched when I was a kid so then they've gone on to see the original series so that has also brought younger people in um, so yeah it's a combination of the two. How supportive is ITV because the new series of Thunderbirds ago and I think we need to make it clear that we're not referring to the movie uh, Jerry and Sylvia Anderson's Thunderbirds ago how supportive is ITV of Fanderson I should imagine that uh, that would have been one series that they really would have wanted to promote and they would have been looking to the club with helping with that with Thunderbirds, I go, yeah, very much so. So from from a very early stage, I was invited in as a representative of the club to look at some of the very early design sketches. As the first program was created, I I started to see some of the completed film that that was made, and then once they got the first completed episode, I was invited in to see, you know, what did it look and sound like, and give my opinion on it. And, and yeah, from, from pretty much from the start, it was the club is important while we go on this journey, while we investigate and discover what Thunderbirds Argo is going to be. I think the frustration, and, and by and large, I share a lot of members' frustration that it's not my Thunderbirds. It, it's, mm. it's a new version of Thunderbirds that there were elements of it that I like. There were elements of it that I found really frustrating. But I think if it's if it if it's introducing people to Thunderbirds, that's a good thing. And uh, of course, it might mean that they then go back and look at the old one, perhaps on DVD, DVD or Blu-ray. You know, that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing. There are people coming into the club now who have said, "I've discovered you, and I've discovered Thunderbirds through Thunderbirds Argo," which, yeah, I think is brilliant. Well, that's uh, memberships and renewals. Hopefully the Treasury is looking quite healthy, Nick. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to apologise here because obviously there's, there's quite a few facts and figures to, to, to report on here. We've got three bank accounts. Um, so the main bank account, um, we closed 2019 with £24,334.54. Uh, we closed last year with 17,380 and 15 pence. Um, I think obviously that could be seen as quite a drop over the year, but actually the important thing is we opened last year carrying liabilities of over 9,000 pounds from, from the previous year. So actually it, it's not as dramatic a change as it, as it might at first look. And we're building our reserves deliberately because we've got some special membership items that we want to do this year because it's our 40th anniversary. So um, we are building our reserves specifically for that. The second bank account is Founders and Sales. Um, that opened the year £8,473.42. 
and it ended the year with a whopping £25,048.34. Now, that <laughs> kind of opposite to the club account, it, it's increased amazingly over the last year. Again, part of that and a large part of that is down to the UFO soundtrack and the UFO annual that I mentioned earlier. But again, we're building reserves for some big merchandise items for later this year um, as well. We've got a third bank account, which we call our film bank account, which is there specifically for a film project that has been on the go for a few years. That closed the previous year, £3,051.33, and it closed 2020 on £11,051.22. And that really is because that bank account had temporarily loaned some money to some of the other bank accounts and those loans have gone back in. So overall, financially, the club's in rude health. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, it's an indicator to fans listening to this today where the money that's collected <coughs> is invested as well. And it's, of course, it's reinvested in some of these very nice items uh, that appear through Fanderson sales. And, uh, of course, it uh, will encourage, hopefully, more people to join the club so that they can uh, then purchase these very lovely items. You're confident that going forward you've got enough to continue, much in the vein that you've been going. Yes, and certainly have. I mean, the, the ideas come thick and fast. You know, not everything we do is successful, but... I think as a as a club, because we're not a commercial organisation, sometimes we can take a chance on things that we think fellow members will like, and it doesn't always work. Other times, we'll do something, and and there'll be a runaway success. Um, and I, you know, again, I don't want to harp on about it. The the UFO annual has been that was a real leap of faith to do that, and it it's cost a lot of money to do it you know, have a hardback book printed, but the response from club members has been fantastic. So there's more to come. There's always more to come because, you know, ideas just bounce around. We have committee meetings and, you know, conversations we've had in the past, Ros and, and other people where you know, we're sat at conventions and people will come up with ideas of merchandise. Um, so there's there's plenty more to, to come, yeah. Fantastic. And you mentioned as well the UFO soundtrack. Really, <clears throat> Fanderson has um, covered virtually every programme soundtrack-wise now, so there's not really anything left to do or redo, is there? What other items beyond the soundtrack, the UFO annual, have, have done pretty well? One of my favourites, I've got to say, is the Super Space Theatre book. Yeah, it, it, and another. it's another one of those things where that, came from a member, a club member who said, Superspace Theatre has always been the black sheep of the family, but actually there's some great stories to tell here. And we knew the, the artwork that had originally been used on the covers for those compilations was nice. And it, it was one of those things that the, pro the idea, the project just evolved into a book and a set of art prints that you know hopefully some people will display and enjoy yeah it's a it's a it's a lovely piece of work and i, it, I think 
again, to do a, a book like that that was not hardback, but a perfect bound softback book was a, a new thing for the club. Again, not cheap, but if we're not going to do it, who is? So we're now joined by Mike Jones. Now, he's a co-editor of Fab Magazine, as we know, brilliant magazine, talking about the club being uh, 40 years old in the summer. Mike, not exactly sure if you were around back then, but of course, Fab Magazine's been going strong for some time now. And uh, how's it all going there at the moment? Well, yeah, all, all, all going, all is going, all is going well. I, I, I was um, actually this this anniversary is quite important to me for many reasons because I, I very much was around back then. I'm 40 years old myself, um, a few months after Fanderson, so um, we probably would have been in the same school year. I imagine Fanderson would have been, would have had a couple of months on me, so probably would have stolen my dinner money. But, <laughs> uh, no, surely not. I'm, not. I'm not suggesting that the club would have stolen my dinner money. It's a terrible thing to say. No, um, no, it's, it's very, very, um, very important. It's, um, yeah, very, very, love the club very much, and it's wonderful that we, we keep keep on getting to do these wonderful projects and and to work on lots of lots of great stuff which wouldn't exist if it, if it wasn't for um, a body such as Fanderson and all the volunteers over the decades. So rightly so, we're hopefully going to celebrate it um, both this year and next year, um, both in the pages of Fab and through this lovely lovely podcast that, that you do a wonderful job on um so yeah well it's it's all, all happening um and fab itself is is going um it's going from strength to strength we're a little bit late on this current one but it's all coming together um it's neat, well over halfway now designed and written it's all written but um it's just squeezing it all in between unpaid work but um yeah it's um some lovely lovely features for this upcoming issue Excellent. And this is fab number. What edition are we up to now, Mike? It's not uh, is it 97? 97. I thought it was was. That's uh so we're nearly up to an anniversary edition and nearly up to 100. We are. Yes, fab 100. Well, it's going to be um well yeah, we're, we're hoping to um got some lovely plans for for fab 100 when we get there. It's going to be um it's it's always been because my first one I worked on, I designed and uh, co-edited was 57 so it's always been building up to always been building up to number 100 so um it's going to be going to be exciting I've, I've spoken to this speak to chris bentley about him coming back and you know being joint guest editors so it's all going to be a wonderful celebration of everything that's come before and and also um to point towards um the future as well because there's always so much we can cover and we'll, we'll never run out of ideas so um yeah now your current co-editor of course and it someone who's been another guest on these podcasts as well is Ian Fryer. We should say thanks to him as well today too. Oh my goodness. Well, me and Ian, are, you know, we're, we're, we're a couple, we're a pair. So um, everything I say is from him as well. Um, he is, yeah, he's, he's my bestie and he's great. So um, definitely, um, yeah, goes about saying, I mean, Ian, we've, he's just done a wonderful piece on um, some lovely articles in the next issue, but it's a, it's a great space, 1999 um, chronological piece he's written. And he's, he's done a lot of work on this. Um, Virgil Tracy um, sings, um, Addison in tights, and yeah, Ian's um, Ian's um, yeah, always always kind of um, rooting out brilliant stuff to work with, and and we we have a great time. We've never really talked about this, but when we put an issue together, he comes down to my house. He's in the north. I'm in you know Hertfordshire. Um, he's in Bradford. He comes down. We have a great 
couple of days, great long weekends working on the magazine. Obviously, to do with, you know with the current pandemic, we've not been able to do that. But um, looking forward to seeing him again when we can. I'm sure there's been a lot of FaceTime Anderson in tights. Yeah, it's um, it, it's um, it's all the voice artists and their their careers in the musical on the stages. Um, so it's going to be yeah, it's, it's a complete dis- discography. That Lorraine Mulberry, forgive me, I believe I've said her surname correctly. Lorraine Mulberry has written and Ian's added to. And it's a complete discography of um, all of David Holliday, Matt Zimmerman and Shane Rimmer's um, amazing working musicals. It's fantastic. It's it, We've got um, album covers of all the various releases, all the soundtrack albums. And I mean, to hear David Holliday um, as Virgil, you know, doing doing that voice, it's so distinctive. It's mm. wonderful. And um, I've opened up with a lovely picture of... Um, I've, I hope no one minds. So I've taken Alan Tracy from um, Thunderbirds Are Go and The Swinging Star, looking suitably theatrical on West End. And I've um, I've fiddled around with it and photoshopped um, a Series 1 Virgil. I would never dream of putting a Series 2 Virgil, obviously, for obvious reasons. And, um, yeah, so it's a lovely, lovely opener. And it's, um, yeah, it's a really, really lovely... It's just, it's the kind of thing no 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 other magazine would do, and it's, it's great to have it in one place. And it's been wonderful listening to music on Spotify and... Maybe tempted to buy a couple of the albums as well. So, um, it's, yeah. well, it's nice from what you say that members of the club contribute to the magazine, and this is something that I know that uh, you probably would want to encourage. What would you like to say to our membership today? Absolutely, yes. Um, it's, it's wonderful to have um, people contribute in, in any ways, whether it be a letter or um, writing into talk about the particular issues time lash article um time lash ep- episode that's chosen and for, for any any facet of the series um any of the anderson series or or the wider um the wider subject of fandom and um, for things to talk about um yeah, it'd be great to hear from from any anyone to contribute because it's a complete open door and it, there's always there's always like a there's always something that people people can contribute to Well, that's my question, Mike. We now have a question from one of our members. This is from Anne Higgins, who's uh, written to ask you in particular, would Fanderson ever produce close-up books of Space 1999 and Stingray? Well, the question to that one, that's a very easy one to answer. Absolutely, yes. Um, They they both will happen at some point. I mean, we we loved in the close-up books. They, they take an awful lot of time, a lot of research, as you can imagine, because they're, they're very dense and it's about making it um, not just a, a list of, of things to look out for. It has to, has, to look, has to be like a nice experience to read it. So visually, it's got to, has to, I have to do a lot of research to, to dig out all the, all the things to reference and talk about. They're a wonderful for, um, forum for discussing the um, episodes and it's, it's, a, it's a lovely landscape format and it's... So most definitely those projects are, are on, the, on the go. Um, yes, definitely. I, I've, I've, I mean, research has already started on both of them because there's, there's, I've got like a, an InDesign document with lots of bits and pieces there. So whenever I'm doing work on another article and if I notice something, an inconsistency with um, Troy Tempest's um, wristwatch, for instance. Um, so I've been, I've been kind of building up in the, in the back, um, on the back burner, screen grabs and things and things I've noticed and... Stingrays were wonderful, actually, for um, for noticing. They seem to they seem to kind of um, Stingray was the first time they seem to have 
was getting to recycling AP films. Maybe moving to the new studio gave them a bit more um, space, so they kept they held on to stuff. I've noticed there's lots of old scripts that have been chopped up and used um, used as you know on clipboards or as oh as right. Books. And you can see like fragments of you know you can make up words like aquanaut or Troy or Stingray, <laughs> where they've they've literally cut up old scripts um, from previous episodes and then they've become props. So little things like that are kind of interesting. If you, if you, <laughs> I mean, I want to do. I'm sure I'm not speaking out of turn here, but I think we want to do close-up books for every single series. But even things like New Captain Scarlet, I think that'd be wonderful to explore because there's quite a bit. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, such a beautifully crafted and made series and this is incredibly controversial i'd love to do a close-up book on thunderbirds argo i grant you it might, might be quite a polarizing project so we might have to might have to wait until that becomes um becomes um more more popular perhaps but there's a, there's a lot of detail there a lot of love went into that series although it may not be everyone's cup of tea but um but going back to the question um certainly stingray in space 1999 are at the top of the list um i've always loved stingray and it's yeah, it's always it's always feels quite fresh because it's got that, you know, you, you feel like it feels to me like it's um, it's just before Trapped in the Sky. It feels like Trapped in the Sky. It, it feels like, in case anyone doesn't remember, Trapped in the Sky is the first episode of Thunderbirds. But Stingray's got that, that you know, that prequel. It's the Phantom Menace of Thunderbirds, basically. That's a terrible example. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I love Stingray. And Space 1999 is epic and there's so much, um, so much stuff to work on there. The work on the Space 1999 Vault is is ongoing as well, so we hope to see that one day too. Okay. So hopefully both projects. Well, that's a question from Anne Higgins. Now, Anne's asked another question, which I know Nick is going to answer in just a few moments here on uh, this podcast today. It's the Fanderson AGM, and uh, an unusual way of doing it, obviously because of the coronavirus pandemic this is the way we've uh, decided to try and get the information out to the members this year uh, mike thanks for joining us again today come back and see us again soon good luck with the projects for the future and thank you ever so much for the kind words as well about the podcast great stuff all, all the best It's the Fanderson Annual General Meeting and we're on a podcast this year because of the pandemic. We've been chatting with uh, Fab Magazine co-editor Mike Jones all about the magazine, what's coming in the future. And in particular, Anne Higgins' question about the close-up books and will there be more. Mike's pretty much answered the question, what he'd like to do. Let's hear about the same topic now from uh, Fanderson chairman Nick Williams. Now we know Mike Jones, our fab co-editor. He's produced lots of these books already for Thunderbirds, Secret Service, Captain Scarlet, Joe 90. Lovely, colourful books. And they seem to encourage people to want to renew with the club. They're very popular. They have been very popular and... They're a great example of, of something that, that, again, came from a discussion that we were throwing around one day. And because they started a series, that, that's kind of locked some people into the club that renew every year because they want to buy the next book that comes out. I think to, to Anne's question, um, uh, there were a couple of 
couple of big stumbling blocks, really, with Space 1999 and Stingray close-up books, which is their big series. You know, they, they the close-up books take a long time to produce anyway, and when you've got 39 episodes of Stingray and 48 episodes of Space 1999, that's going to take a lot of time to sit and watch everyone and make the notes and decide, you know, what, what are we going to feature in the book? So I won't say we're never going to do it, but it's going to be one of those things that, that we'll do when we've got time to sit down and, and do that research. What I will say, of course, is that doesn't stop any member out there helping. So if, if you're the world's biggest fan of Stingray, perhaps you'd like to do the work for us, sit down, do the research, We'll pull it together, we'll pull the book together, but it's the research that takes the time. So, yes, Anne, we'd love to do them. It'll take a bit of time unless someone steps in and helps. Well, this is one of two questions from Anne. We've got a second question here from Anne Higgins. Will there be any future releases of the Space 1999 Year One soundtracks at all? Well, the, the Space Year One soundtrack we've done twice now. We did it as a double CD in 1998. And then in 2014, about that, we did the three-disc box set. Now, as, as we've said plenty of times before, we are limited by a licensing agreement by how many of these things we can do. So we were only ever allowed to make a thousand copies in 1998 and a thousand of the box set in 2014. And we're also only allowed to do a physical release. We can't do digital downloads. We're not allowed to. So we are, we are contained, constrained, if you like, by what we can do. And once again, they are incredibly expensive and time-consuming projects to do. But, of course, they are popular. They're really popular. People love them. And, you know, we're, we're confident that, that we will sell all that stock mm. as time goes on. But, of course, you know, if I look at Space 1999, we didn't sell the, the thousandth box set until 2019. So that's a full five years to recover our costs. So it's a big undertaking. You know, again, I won't say we'll never do it again. You know, we might well do it again. We've done it twice. We might do it a third time. But we'll only do it if there's something new to include. I always think back to Paramount with Star Trek that you know people started to get a bit tired of paramount re-releasing star trek because it was a different color sleeve or or i don't know in a slightly different packaging or something and fans weren't happy about that they really weren't happy and felt that that paramount had gone from supporting the fan community to milking the fans exploiting them yes yeah and and i just as far as i'm concerned you know there's some there's some good merchandise out there there's some there's some anderson merchandise that's it's just milking the fans and I don't want this club to ever be seen as doing that. So again, and I won't say we'll never do a space 1999 year one again, but it'll be one when we've got something new to include or a different way of presenting it rather than just a re-release. 
Well, Anne, I hope that's answered your questions. We've got one final question, Nick. This is from David Fields. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly here. Uh, David's question to you, Nick, is what happened to the Supermarionation documentary that was being worked on many years ago? Yeah, it was a long time ago. It's been, I think, over 20 years since we started work on this. And for anyone who doesn't know, we we released the UFO documentary first, I think it was, and then a, a few years later, the Space 1999 documentary. And they were really well received and got fantastic reviews in you know in magazines like for those who remember tv zone and things like that and we thought we need to do a prequel we need to to tell the super marionation story as well so we started work on doing that and we've been interviewing people over the years and and of course as you can imagine over 20 years we've lost quite a few Mm. people as well so I'm I'm really thrilled and excited that we've got interviews with people who are no longer around like Christine Glanville or Graydon Gould or Stanley Unwin or John Reed and and obviously other really influential people in the whole supermarination story like Mary Turner who obviously is still with us and even Sir Cliff Richard only only a minor part in one part of a, you know the Thunderbirds uh, Argo film, but you know quite a coup to have Cliff as well. So we've got quite a raft of interview material, and then of course a few years ago a different another documentary came out filmed in Supermarination, and we just thought well there's no point competing that the audience is small enough you know we're not going to compete with something else that's out there, so we just paused. The project and that pause has just given us a chance to say well we've got all this material is a documentary now the right way to do it when filming supermarination is out there or do we use that footage in some other way or present it in another way and we haven't come to a conclusion yet but as i said at the start when i was talking about finances we've got eleven thousand pound in the film account so and that is there to go towards that project solely so it's not a case of you know if it will happen it'll be a case of when and in what format and and at the moment i haven't got an answer i'm afraid okay well david we hope that's uh, answered your question at least to a point today i've got a couple of questions to ask you nick perhaps on uh, behalf of the fans one of them being uh, the fanderson podcast being a very new thing that sort of come around uh, during this lockdown me being uh, completely absorbed and involved with it i guess from my point of view how's that doing as a free fanderson item that's available to all it's been going really well i think you know when you came to us with the idea it was uh, again a leap of faith as to you know what would this thing be would it be enjoyed and accepted you know we had no idea how popular it would be and it has been and and the great thing with the the podcast the platform that we use is we get statistics on you know how many people have listened how many people have downloaded it and we can see patterns in you know when it's first released how many you know there's a spike obviously in people downloading then and then 
usually what we're finding is then when the next podcast is released, it also has a knock-on effect on the previous ones as well as people go, oh, you know, here's something I've not listened to before. So it's it's been very popular. And I think what's made it good is, you know, not having always, uh, you know, big names on it. it. It's focusing on fans and fellow enthusiasts giving opinions and ideas um, and, and just taking a slightly different look at things than perhaps we've done traditionally in Fab Magazine. But of course, having some of the guests on, like we've had with Stephen Begg, we've had some archive interviews with uh, Barry Morse and Stanley Unwin. Of course, if we haven't got the documentary that David's talking about, we can sort of bring some of that to to fans with the podcast, which is what we're going to be trying to look at doing over the coming months. And another question from me, perhaps on behalf of the fans, because... I do see this mentioned quite a bit over at the Fanderson Facebook pages, conventions. The organisers, the committee, all getting older now, perhaps uh, getting just a little bit tired because uh, it takes an awful lot to put on an event. But I do still see questions from fans there. What about another convention? Yeah, well, you know, again, it's... it's a case of well, who wants to help? I, I'll, I'll say I've said this a few times. And I'll say it again. You're absolutely right. Some of us are getting older. Thanks, Roz. Some of <laughs> us do get extremely tired. My pleasure. Uh, you know, I I, for, I don't expect club members to to know this instinctively, but you know, if we run a, a weekend convention that we open on a Friday afternoon. We close on a Sunday evening. For those of us who have staged the convention, that's been probably 18 months' work of planning. And then it gets more and more as the date gets nearer. And I think back to Super Celebration, our last big event in 2019, we were there setting up on the Thursday. So you know, when the when members turned up, we'd already been there a day and a half working and setting it up. And then once it's all over on the Monday, we're working, taking it all apart and, and, and getting everything back and leaving the place neat and tidy. So, and I'm not saying that because I want people to go, oh, poor Nick, you know, he's, he's mm. so old and, and it's all a bit hard work. I love it. I love a convention and there's nothing I like more than you know, being with other club members and sitting around and chatting with them. Yeah, but the question is, Nick, is what are you ending up doing on the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday and the Friday of that following week? And my, I'm, I'm imagining that you're going to be chilling out somewhere with the lights out and the curtains drawn. Yeah, there is an element of that, definitely. It, it And it has got harder as the years have gone on. That recovery period has taken a bit longer. And, and that's why we said in 2019, you know, this is going to be our last big weekend convention, but we'll still do smaller events. And we're working now, we're starting to talk to people who are interested in running their own events, local events, that, you know, it could be, for example, to secure a venue, they need a deposit that they haven't got. You know, they need some money they haven't got ready access to. Well, we might be able to provide that deposit. 
obviously we want it back, assuming the event's a success, but that's the kind of thing where we can help. We can advertise. We've got hundreds of club members that might want to come to that event, so we can help advertise it. We can help in a lot of ways. What we just can't do any longer is spend 18 months planning an event and then the really intense seven, 10-day period of actually staging the event. We want to help people because we love love events, we love conventions as well. We just need other people to step up and say, let's do one. Also on the topic of conventions, autographs are mentioned a lot these days as well. With the autographica conventions that have been running the past uh, decade or two, a lot of the uh, stars who turn up actually charge for autographs. That was never ever a thing with Fanderson conventions, with the guests always providing their autographs for free. Where does Fanderson stand with that now? Yeah, for for many, many years, that was always the case. And then we started to get to a position where the autograph queue got longer and longer and longer. So to try and manage that, we said, right, your first autograph is free and then any subsequent ones you might have to pay for. That all got a bit complicated and messy with tickets and vouchers and things. So the way we've left it the last two or three conventions is it's entirely up to the guest we provide them a space we provide them a table and a glass of water (laughs) and you know people can have an autograph when you know whenever they're there but if they want to charge for it it's entirely up to them and and i think from the feedback that we've had from members that's been a good way of doing it because we've still had people that say, no, I don't want anything at all. They're, they're happy just to give away their autograph. We've had some people that have said, all I want is the money back because I've had this pile of photos printed. So as long as I get my costs back, I'm happy. And then there are other people that probably charge more like an autographic thing. But it, it, I think it's worked well because there's always been that option. I suppose it's similar to, to the way we work with guests for conventions at all, because you know we've, we've never paid a guest for an appearance, ever. We'll cover their expenses, you know, their, their train ticket and accommodation and, and food and drink and so on, but we've never paid an appearance fee. And, you know, that's why you never see certain guests at a Fanderson convention, because they, for whatever reason, you know, that doesn't sit well with them or, or they don't want to do it. And I suppose it, it, we've just tried to do what we think is the best thing for, for members. Um, and I think that's that's what we've got to with autographs. Finally then, uh, Nick, I'm going to ask you to explain a statement that you make many times. In fact, mm-hmm. it's there at the foot of any email you send me and to everybody else. It, and it reads, Fanderson, since 1981, and I would want to stress that the club is uh, 40 years old, and uh, so happy birthday, Fanderson. The foot of your email, Fanderson, since 1981, by fans for fans. Do you want to elaborate on that remark that you always put out, and on the Facebook page as well? 
Yeah, it's something we adopted, I don't know, officially as a kind of a tagline a few years ago because a lot of people seemed confused as to what the club was. You know, people would see things like our CD soundtracks and just assume we're a commercial organisation. And I felt it was important to make a stand and say, no, that's not what we're about. We're a club. We, we do it for love. None of us get paid. It's incredibly complimentary that people think a lot of our output is professional but I wanted to make you know make a statement that no we're we're a fan club and I think that's important I think it's it's an unusual thing nowadays I, I can remember talking to someone who shall remain nameless about our help with some commercial DVD releases and he couldn't understand why we weren't charging the, the production company for our time. And I said, well, you know, that's what we do. We're a club. We do it for the love of it. And and I just wanted to get that out there. I wanted to keep a constant reminder that we are a club. We're not a commercial organisation. The, the bank statement, the bank figures I said about earlier, you know, whatever, oh, let me have a look. Where am I back to? £24,000 opening last year. That's not £24,000 going to me or anyone else in the club. Uh, it, that's going into the products. Um, and I, and I, I just think that's an important distinction. And then since 1981, yes, you're right, Ros, it's our 40th birthday. It's not this month, it's going to be August. Unfortunately, it's... Um, I seem to remember there was a convention around March 1981. Yeah, so there was there was Fanderson 81, which I never went to. Um, and then on the back of that, because that was so popular, uh, Jerry called the meeting at Pinewood with people from Fanderson 81, Dave Nightingale, who was doing SIG magazine at the time. Can't remember all the people involved. But basically, he called a, a, a meeting at Pinewood and said, I want to support you. I've, I've seen there is this support out there. I want to support you. Importantly, at the time, ITC, owners of most of Jerry's output, also wanted to support a club. But they said, we'll only support one club. So you've all got to get together. You've got to pull together and be one club. And that's how the club was formed uh, back in 20th of August, 1981. So here we are now in March 2021. That's 40 years on now, still going strong. Are you going to be here for in 40 years' time? I, I probably won't be, but I'm hoping <laughs> there will be someone else that that uh, when I've had enough, we'll pick up the reins and and keep it going. Yeah, I certainly hope so. I think there's there's a longevity to these things. And I, I think, um, yeah, all the time the, the, there is a way of people to experience Jerry and Sylvia's work, whether that be on streaming services or Blu-rays or, or whatever comes next. I'm hoping there's still a club for them to join and show their appreciation. Well, fantastic stuff. We've come this far. Uh, Nick Williams, Fanderson Chairman. Once again, I want to say a big thank you to Fab co-editor Mike Jones for talking about the magazine. That concludes this uh, Fanderson online AGM podcast. So since 1981 by the fans, for the fans. Good luck for the future. And uh, thanks for joining us on this podcast today. Thank you very much, Roz.
Fanderson is the world's only official appreciation society for the work of Jerry and Sylvia Anderson, with its own club magazine, exclusive merchandise and more. If you'd like more information, please see our website at fanderson.org.uk.